Welcome to your sophomore year at the Tragedy Academy, where you are the teacher and we are the students. Together, we learn from past tragedy to lay the foundation for a better humanity. The only supplies you'll need an open mind and a sense of humor. So, tilt that chair back, talk out of turn, and never raise your hand. Because this is the Tragedy Academy and class in session. I'm Pure Scott. Did I tell you my um, my refrigerator, my dishwasher, and my microwave all have warranty calls in for? Like, what is the <laughs> like all three at once? What what went wrong with it? Like, what what do you have to do to fix that? I get a in, dude. Hold on. Welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. This is Appliance Talk with Gary and Jay. How you doing, Gary? Good. <laughs> I'm interested in uh, your warranties for your microwave here. Dude, I have like one of those, you know those warranties that... Um, it's called like something shield. I won't give a full name or something, but basically you pay X dollars a month and they warranty all your appliances. They'll warranty your AC, they'll warranty pipes up to certain conditions, right? So like if something happens, um, pay a hundred bucks, send out a appliance repairman and they fix it, you know, which is cool. It's, it's, it's worked very well for me. However, at the moment I have three calls or three warranty calls in, right? And this You're is the last guy that has an appliance repairman on earth. This exactly, one guy right? <laughs> floor is, no, no, like, no, no, no. Oh. It's, it's even better. It's even better. Because I'm scheduling through their system and I'm asking for them, I have three repairmen coming three different dates. They have now come assess the situation like one at a time for each appliance. They're like, okay, this one needs this part. I'll order it and be back in two weeks. <laughs> I've had like six dudes because it's not the same guy that comes back even sometimes. I mean, yeah, I that can't be real, right? You know, part of the reason I work so hard is so like if that happens, I just buy a new refrigerator. Like I'm not dealing with that shit. I mean, I'm not made of money or anything, but if my refrigerator stops working, I'm not calling the repair guy. Well, I'm going to it's, Best Buy. It's, <laughs> it's the ice maker. Let's put it yeah. that way. It's just the ice maker, and I'm not, it's a nice refrigerator, nice stainless steel, GE, whatever, but it's just not working. That said, I am with you. I will cut my losses very quickly now at this stage of my life, whereas before, you know, obviously it's subject to how much money you have in the bank, obviously. Right. And, and how big the, you know, is it $3,000 or $40 bucks to fix it or something, then, then I'll get it fixed, you know, but. So Gary is not a uh, appliance repairman. <laughs> For those of you that uh, don't remember, uh, haven't listened to the episode, Gary was actually on the show before. This is Gary DeFranco, um, executive producer of The Ultimate Fighter, Street Outlaws, all sorts of other stuff, and musician and rapper, which I, I really love. So thanks for joining me, Gary. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so... Got a lot of interesting stuff coming up and some format changes, big, God, I'm super excited, super, super excited. So um, I want you guys to hang around. Uh, this is going to be something that uh, will change the entire format of the show. So we are going to be shutting down for a new season. So what I'd like to do is do a wrap up of, you know, kind of some highlights, different episodes that uh, that stick out. Obviously, I'm not, I, if I did this and talked about every single one, it'd be like, you know, it'd be <laughs> two hours long. But I would, I would be remiss not to highlight some certain episodes and some things that I thought were really, uh, really poignant. Um, that's really what this episode is about. And uh, Gary has joined me because um, we're going to be doing some things together for the upcoming season, which we'll uh, tell you about after we finish our wrap-up. Sound like a plan? Hell yeah. So I kind of want to give everybody, I, I want, first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody for giving me the opportunity to carry this show on into uh, a new dynamic. Um, a lot of people have supported the show, and I genuinely appreciate that. This has been a journey um, getting to this point. This isn't just uh, creating a show for business. Um, this is creating a show for affecting change. And I've been blessed to have some very courageous people um, sit down in the chair and open up in ways that I could never have thought about at the various stages of life that they're at. Um, it, it impressed me every single time, time and again. Um, I, when I think about the pain or the suffering or the trials and tribulations that precede sitting in the chair, 
I feel like after having gone through the steps that I have, sitting in the chair is actually harder. And I say that because it requires introspection and it requires the knowledge of yourself and it requires candor and it gives people, I mean, let's be real. It's a window to your soul or a window to the mind, the things that you don't discuss with people, feelings that you have. But we're finding out throughout the duration of this show that they're all congruent. They're all the same. They just wear different clothing. They're all the same people, just different economic statuses or races or genders. But at the core of it all, it's pain. It's pain and it's something that we're not discussing. We're not, we haven't opened up until more recently. And as I've gone through these different guests, I've, I've seen that in each set of eyes is the same terror or the same pain as it is for, you know, your special forces soldier, you know, like Sergeant First Class Brandon Lloyd. I mean, this guy's a war hero 10 times over and has met presidents and, and, and blessed us with stories that I just couldn't even begin to wrap my head around. And the most down-to-earth guy in the world. And we discussed something that was so important, and it was called trauma shame. And that really struck a chord with a lot of people. They were reaching back out, and they were like, nobody's really said that too much. Um, and it made me understand that just because someone has been through something different than yourself does not mean that the emotional damage or the internal damage isn't the same as the person next to you. It just is a different mechanism with which the damage was made. And making people feel as if their pain is not as substantial prevents people from getting help. It prevents people from being able to reach out and not be ashamed of the damages that they're suffering from their day-to-day, -day, you know, mental issues that they suffered from, you know, the past or whatever it might be. And he really, he really enlightened me to that perspective in that, you know, and he also, he, he brought up a great, a great point. He said, how does it help me when somebody says you're more effed up than me? <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 kind of a double-edged sword. I was like, I did not think of it that way either. You know, and it takes a humble person to make those kinds of uh, assessments of of themselves and the people around them. Um, which leads me to another thing, and that is, where does that wisdom come in, and at which point do you utilize it? Right? I mean, yeah, I think it's it's tough. It's tough to get to that point. Well, I bring that up and I ask that question because Max Limburg. The Greek chorus, 70 years old is when he started acting and modeling. 70 years old. And all he wanted to do is be in a sword and sandals movie when he was a kid. Like, that's what he wanted. And he did all these jobs. He was a freaking, he was, he was an athlete. He was a handyman. He worked in, I think, insurance or something else. And at the end of the day, he ended up becoming an actor like he wanted to when he was a kid. He employed the wisdom at that point. Yeah. And you need actors of all ages, races, sizes, and, you know, shapes and everything like that. So people probably think, you know, the ship has sailed, but they need 80-year-old people on movies. They need 50-year-old and skinny, tall. You and know. you would know that. I mean, you've worked in TV for so long. I'm, I'm sure the casting is just amazing. The, the different walks of lives and the, the people that you need. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm actually, a guy's calling me right now as we speak. He's 43 years old. He's trying to get on The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, he was on season two. And uh, he's, if you saw this guy, his name's Bobby Maximus. He was one of the 100 fittest people of all time from Men's Health Magazine. He's on the cover all the time. Zero percent body fat in this guy. And, you know, he uh, had a kid after the show and he had a little a brief run in the UFC. And um, he decided to become a father and, and not, you know, fighting is a, you know, all encompassing thing. And he put it on the shelf and, uh, but he's been training. He's in better shape than I've ever, you know, ever seen anybody really. Um, so he's, uh, he's lobbying, um, the powers that be to try to, you know, it's not 70 year old, but 43 for a, a fighter. 43 as a fighter is, is yeah. not young. Yeah. But do he's, you, do you find yourself rooting for him? I mean, we're good friends. So I'm going to, I, uh, I sat through a nine hour surgery with him and. Oh, wow. Yes, he definitely. Probably. Um, he ripped his whole bicep clean off the bone. It rolled up all the way down. Oh. Um, it was oh pretty wicked. God. That's and, awful. Uh, you know, but in general, like, even if we weren't friends, I would, you know, he's a good dude, a good father. He does things the right way. He's, you know, helps people all the time. And um, if I didn't think he was capable of, you know, competing at 
the level, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't push for him because, you know, it's not badminton, it's not tennis, you know, it's uh, these are heavyweights that, you know, will separate you from consciousness rather quickly. So, oh, that's right. It's heavyweights. Yeah. No, thank you. Those are lunch boxes to the head at that point. Like those, yeah. and I'm not talking about like your uh, your yellow sp- or your red Spider-Man box with the plastic thermostat. I'm talking about like that construction one from the 50s. That yeah, has the- <laughs> yeah, it's sitting on the I-beam. That's what you're yeah. catching to your grape. No, thanks. No, thanks. Uh, you know, but it's us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so he's fast still, you know, and that's his, his advantage. I, I ask that because I always, um, I find myself in the, the rooting seat. As long as the person meets those requirements that you said, you know, that has that, that character, that moral compass, you know, or is, is not full of themselves. If, as long as they're not that, if they have a disadvantage walking in that is openly discussed, I, I find myself gravitating to that person immediately. Yeah. Is that a psychological thing? Why do we do that? Yeah, I'm not really sure, you know, in, in everything I've ever done, people like the underdog, you know, I think uh, we've all been an underdog or, you know, underestimated at some aspect of life before, whether it's, you know, sports as a kid or getting into college or getting that promotion or, you know, we've all uh, been up against it at some point. And it's just a good story. You know, the guy that's supposed to win wins all the time. Then, you know, where's the drama? Where's the excitement? You know, uh, Juliana Pena just won the, you know, world title and she was a 10 to one underdog and no one gave her a chance. And like, if Amanda she won with was, authority, by the way, with yeah, authority, I love it. Yeah. yeah. If, if Amanda is phenomenal and you know, she's the best of all time probably, but you know, she just keeps winning and winning and winning, you know, it's not that interesting. And, uh, you know, even Floyd people, you know, people paid their $70 to watch him lose, not to watch him win, especially towards the end. You know, it's no one wanted to miss that when he lost, you know, they want to see the upset. They want to see, the shock, you know, everything goes as planned all the time and shit is really boring. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think that um, you, you did hit the nail on the head that we're all the underdog at some point in our lives. For some reason, we've made it somewhere not to be or to talk about while you're there. Um, it, when you're actually, the, everybody is the underdog, but nobody wants to talk about having been unless they won. Everybody thinks yeah. that they have to win in order to discuss the fact that they were an underdog. When in all actuality, who's not an underdog? Yeah. There's always somebody better. Yeah, it's, it, it depends on, uh, you know, the situation, uh, you know, with fighting. Sometimes you don't talk about it after because it looks like you made excuses for your losses. Like, oh, it's better, you know, no one mm. wants to admit that, you know. And you also... Like Juliana did not think she was the underdog and she talked about it every day and people thought she was crazy or, you know, delusional. But if you don't believe that you're going to win in there, then you're not going to win. Probably. That's kind of life, isn't it? I talk about it a lot. It's kind of like walking into an interview. If you don't believe that you deserve the job, if you don't believe that you're capable, then whether you say you are or not, you can say the right words. But the person interviewing you, whether they know it or not, they don't believe in you either. They know you don't believe in yourself without even it happening. It's just the way it works. You you have to believe in yourself in order for somebody else to believe in you before you can even get that far. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I say that all the time, you know, depending on what the situation is, it's more dangerous or less. But at the end of the day, if you don't believe that you're going to achieve the thing you're setting out to achieve, um, you're probably going to set up the roadblocks yourself and it's not going to be somebody else. You're going to, you know, there'll be some self-destruction there or, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a fear of success too. Um, you know, fear of, fear of failure, fear of success play against each other sometimes. Fear of success. Fear of success is an interesting one. It really, yeah. I feel like that is actually the bigger issue because becoming successful requires action. And nobody wants to take the initial action. So, and it is actually the fear of success because in order to get there, they have to face all their demons. Yeah. I, I, I feel like um, that's another, that's what kind of creates jealousy as well. Um, it's the inadequacy, or not inadequacies, the inability to act upon your dreams while other people are taking necessary steps to theirs. Yeah. When they're in that situation, it's, they always it's do. It's easy to just say, I don't have a chance or... You know, why even try? And depending on whatever the situation it is, you could get by and doing whatever you're doing and kind of just, you know, float through life. But sometimes like, you know, the rubber beats the road and you're either going to have to push forward and what you're trying to accomplish or you're going to have to just go a different way and then you find out what you're made of. That's that's a theme in this show, actually. Um, Glauco Araujo, I always, it's 
Brazilian. He is in ballet and he does um, also like modern dance and acting. And he's from Brazil, right? He's from a farm outside of Rio. He's gay in a farm outside of Rio, growing up in and out of the city in a, you know, in an environment that is not necessarily open to someone that is gay. He made it from there into the States, into New York, lives there, ends up getting on with a dance company. And now the guy is getting award-winning films done about him. That is that perseverance. That's exactly what you're talking about. Against all odds. Yeah, I mean, Amanda, who I was just talking about, is gay and lives has a farm outside of Rio. Is Brazilian. <laughs> there you go. So she'd probably understand that, you know, that that walk that he went through. Because I'm, I, I couldn't even begin to understand what the differences would be, male, female, anything like that. But I, I could, I could, I'm sure she could identify with it. Hundred ten percent. I've been to Brazil, you know, quite a few times, and. Uh, it's like anywhere else, there's all different types of, you know, levels of income and people and, you know, it just depends on where you grow up. You know, if you grow up in Sao Paulo, which is more like New York City, it might not be that big of a deal, but if you grow up in, you know, the sticks, it's probably very similar to here where people, you know, they have a different viewpoint on things and, you know, there's a lot more progression in the bigger cities that are more westernized. But if you grow up in the middle of nowhere and, and just about anywhere, like people are closed-minded and they, they've only had one type of experience. So, you know, it's not always their fault. It's just what they've been around their whole life. And, you know, they got 200 friends on Facebook that all think and feel the same way as they do. And they go to the same cafe or, you know, same place their whole life. And There's know, a term for that. When you can Google yourself into a corner, I think you can do it with friends too, where you go in and whether you know it or not, you're just choosing the things that are most likely to fit your narrative. And I feel like you do that with, uh, with friends and social media as well. Not you specifically. People do that. Um, but yeah. you, you brought up like the larger cities, the melting pot and trying tons of different things and people being more, um, you know, we'll say worldly in different scenarios. Right. Um, we had a guest on the show, one of, one of my favorites, because uh, she, she has the best joke in the world, not just because of the joke, but her name is Nilu. Um, and the episode was called Simplified to Love. She's Persian. Um, she's a comedian. And she's also, I, I, I always jack up this term because we had a lot of discuss about uh, discussions this season about gender and um, preferences and things like that. But I think it's called polyamorous, right? Polyamorous is when you will sleep with, or not sleep, God, that sounds bad. When you're open to anybody as a relationship or you can have multiple partners or something like that. I think is what it is, um, which was super cool to hear how you could people affect, you know, their love across different, you know, traditional or what we've been conditioned to believe are the the only mechanisms with which love can be shared, um, that they can't be shared across certain gender lines or race lines or, you know, things like that. And it's really cool to see how this is growing. Plus, she has a joke about, she calls it beard to bush camaraderie. She thinks that <laughs> they're two furry little woodland creatures that meet in the night. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. <laughs> right? Like, I, I was done at that point. I was like, I was watching one of her live sets and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That's amazing. Yes, it's amazing. Uh, that's, that's where the good, that's where good comedy and everything comes from. You know, it's like kind of like the underdog thing. If, you, if everything goes fine, like comedians aren't the guy that, you know, had two parents that worked and loved each other and took them on vacation every year and they did four years and, you know, good high school, went to college, became an accountant, worked their way up the chain. Like, go that route like you're not going to be a comedian like no you're not episode 93 hernando del castillo comedian stand-up comedian came from the hospitality industry what people don't see is uh comedy he he had discussed openly um you know that he had dealt with substance abuse and things like that um but he was in the hospitality industry and rose through the ranks to becoming like a director you know where he's in that position that people feel is where you're going to be happy that destination position where you can look you know, proudly at your surroundings and say, I made it or whatever it is. When in reality, um, every night he was, you know, struggling with his own demons and not being happy, knowing that, you know, he was, he was a, um, again, he was a gay man 
Um, on top of the fact that uh, he always wanted to, I want to say, express his uh, his humor. He was always a funny guy. He found more levity in helping people, you know, achieve that happiness and that kind of thing. And in order to become a comedian, I think you have to have those demons. Those demons have shown their 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 heads so many times. And what uh, who's the guy from Greg Giraldo? That one was that one was super shitty. Greg Giraldo. Um, Robin Williams, um, you know, all these guys have that darkness behind the eyes. Yeah, it's a defense mechanism or, you know, it's, you know, sometimes the guy smiling the biggest in the room is the one going through the most shit and they just, they just adapted to it, you know, and they don't want to, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier about people just not wanting to share, you know, and open up about certain things. It's, you know, a lot of times it's, it's that you think that person, you know, half the people, you know, I've, I've been around and know, you know, a few people throughout my years that committed suicide or, you know, it's never the guy you think. It's not the guy with like looks all goth and whatever. You think all that guy, you know, it's like, it's it's always like, Oh fuck, really? Like, damn. You know, we've, we've talked about that in the past and um, I'm actually, I'm not glad that this came up, but I'm, uh, it is something that um, I wanted to, to give a special thanks to a friend of mine that uh, passed away. He, uh, he committed suicide and it really, it really broke me down. Um, seems Garrett and we were supposed to meet uh, a week before and had canceled it and he ended up committing suicide. And this guy, when I tell you, he was, he was like an Abercrombie model. He was an athlete. He was hysterical, but he had so much pain behind that that nobody knew about, that he, I mean, for some reason didn't feel that he could talk to myself about somebody like that, you know, or anybody else. Um, so I want to I want to thank him because he opened my eyes. Um, he gave me, you know, because one of the things that really struck me was that uh, I have friends, I have friends all over the world. Um, but for some reason, he wasn't friends with my friends. And that bothered me. Because in retrospect, I I like to pride myself. I have a very, you know, a very short list of friends that I trust. And if I've deemed them, you know, through my own experiences in life and, and interactions with them to be someone that I trust so implicitly to be a close friend, why wouldn't I share that relationship with my other friends? Because there's, if I wasn't there for whatever reason, or I wasn't the person to talk to that day, then there could have been another friend that I know would have been so happy to do it, would have been, would have been upset to not have been the person to be called so that they could have the opportunity to help. So it reminded me, and it was one of the catalysts to the show because it really broke me down. Um, it, it hurt my heart to know that he couldn't come to me. And on top of that, I mean, he actually was the first person who referred me to my first six-figure job. And I mean, honestly, that was how I, I was able to get my career where I thought it was supposed to be. But for all intents and purposes, he gave me the ticket to the breakdown. And I needed that more than anything. I needed to climb that ladder. And I thank him for that ticket. Because he helped my family financially, you know, and he helped me, but he also put me on the on the fast path to seeing what life is supposed to be like, what we're supposed to value, um, you know. And I, I appreciate him for that, and he is one of the driving forces behind the decision to start this show. So I just wanted to take this opportunity, you know, at the season two juncture to 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 say thank you to Garrett Dano, um, dude. When I say he would have he would have made you feel bad about how you looked under any circumstances. <laughs> he just he looked like an action figure. It was fucking ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um that said, we don't um we celebrate the times that we have with people. And I've come to the conclusion, you know, in my my way of getting by this is that if time is an illusion and it's all relative then that means that anybody that has been here and has passed on remains here just by the simple fact that matter can be created or destroyed or whatever energy it is. It's just not in our perception at this point in time. So Garrett's here. He's laughing at me. Fuck up. He's laughing. At, he's, he's, he's loving things and, and I appreciate him for it. Um, and that's why, you know, these people come on and they talk about these trying situations because not just Hernando, but we've had, of guests talk about suicide, you know, or the thoughts of suicide and things like that. And what we're trying to do 
premises of the show is to bridge those divides in the mental health arena where I think that you would be shocked, shocked if people were put on a lie detector and asked if they'd ever thought of suicide. Everybody has at least at some level, I think, you know, like maybe not seriously considered and been close, but, you know, I think it's crossed everybody's mind, if, if not only for a second. I mean, it has to. It has to. We don't know why we're here to begin with. No, the better people appear to have it sometimes, it's, you know, that has a lot of pressure. You know, a good-looking guy, a smart guy like that, you know, like, no one wants to hear your shit. Like, oh, what, you had a bad day? Look, you know, like, look, give everything, you know? It's like... You're so right. You're so right. One of the things that I would have never had a view into this particular issue had I not been friends with him, and it was to actively see people seek out ways to demean him or have problems with him or to start like a side conversation about him. It was so crazy to see the jealousy within people for someone that was so humble and didn't even realize who he was amongst, you know, that judgment layer. I had no clue. It becomes an easy target, you know, like, you know, it's like we could make fun of that person. They got him good. We could, you know, it's, it's your own insecurities. You're putting them out there. We see that, you know, on a lot of these shows, like the pretty girl or the, you know, the handsome guy, like that's the one that, you know, everybody resents and they go after. And it's, you know, sometimes they're an asshole, but like most of the time they're really not. But you find the littlest reason, you know, it makes you feel better because you're like, you feel inadequate around them or inferior in some way. And then like your way of evening things up is like bringing them down instead of like figuring out a way to have your own confidence or bring yourself up. It's like, you know, if we can knock them down a couple pegs, then, you know, then I don't feel that way, but you know, or make myself feel better by making them feel bad. I feel like shit all the time. Like they should have to feel it sometimes too kind of thing. And it's, it's funny how that works when both sides are actually feeling the same way and they're taking pot shots across the aisles, but they don't realize that they, at the end of the day, it's where you derive your confidence from. If your confidence is derived from outside sources, it is never going to fill the void that you're trying to put in it. That confidence has to be derived from inside. And the only way that it's derived from inside is coming to terms with who the fuck you are, you know, good, bad, and different. Because you have to love yourself for the worst just as much as the best in order to be able to have confidence. It's like, it's what you said. If you're taking it from outside sources, like you're never gonna have any control of that. You know, anybody could think you suck at something or you're not good at this, you're not good looking or you're not smart or, you know, it doesn't, you know, you can't affect how people, you know, perceive you or what they say to you or how they feel. You know, you could be the best looking guy, road scholar, all this, and you go somewhere and everybody thinks you're a dick and they, they're all mean to you. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're, you're shit, but you've been doing everything right your whole life. But now you feel like, oh, you know, I'm not, you know, it's like. Yeah, judgment is is the, in the eyes of the beholder as well. <laughs> you know, it's it, it doesn't matter where you are. It's going to come to you. There will be judgment. It's a matter of whether or not you care that you're being judged. Yeah. And. That, I think, also comes with wisdom and age. I think... Uh, it definitely comes with, you know, it's in expanding your circle and, and going different places. And, you know, that's why shows like this and just the, the world opening up as a whole has just been helpful. The people you're talking about, especially if they're from smaller places, they didn't have anyone to talk to or, you know, they didn't have anyone to relate to. And if everybody's kind of one way and they're the, the outsider, you know, that's a real that's a real shit life, you know, they're not having an outlet and, you know, as soon as you're able to see like, hey, these people aren't exactly like me, but they've gone through some shit and they're getting through it and this is how they do it. And, you know, they, they've made it, you know, they might have a different set of problems or circumstances, but when you see that, you know, hey, then, you know, back to the underdog thing, like, hey, they fucking dug themselves out. They didn't have a chance either. And, you know, they're living their dream or even just getting by every day. Like some people, you know, they need to get to that level before they could go and shoot for the moon. You know, they got to just, get functioning and get, you know, to the point where they could just get to an even level and, and start feeling good and then, you know, progress slowly. It's not always for you know, shooting for the big shot. Sometimes people are, just in, you know, they're dug into a big hole and they got to just realize that you just got to take it one step at a time, one day at a time. And, you know, it's, it's not going to turn around overnight, you know, but before you know it, like time flies. And when you start getting in the right direction, it flies faster. Oh, it doesn't even feel like time anymore. No, not it at all. It just feels like a never ending now. It's it's super cool. 
And yeah. you you went back to underdog, and one of the people that I actually want to thank for uh, this season was uh, Jasmine Brown. Um, Jazz was an intern, and she did some uh, some editing work on the show and some other things, and she's just an amazing human being. But she was actually on the show way back on season, or on uh, episode 74. Uh, Jasmine is, and I'm going to try to properly term this, is a little person. Um, and she also has a breathing tube. Um, and she's probably got an eight-foot-tall clutch on life. I've never seen a person that did not succumb to what society says an underdog should be. If you were to walk into a room blind, you would think that she towered over everyone. The way that she commands the presence. And it's not in a negative way. It's in a just, it's, it is in pure happiness. And she makes everybody happy around her. So I like thinking that the underdog is an internal mindset. Yes. Even though we perceive it, because if we're not going to accept the judgment that we're talking about, an underdog has to come from within. Has to be, has to be an internal mechanism. Because, I mean, if she's supposed to be one, I don't, didn't seem like one to me in the slightest. Um, she was kicking, kicking life in the Hey, academics. Have you endured life's tragedies, trials, and tribulations? Did you adapt and overcome? Do you have advice for others to pay forward and want to be a guest? Then email us a brief two to three minute video to show at thetragedyacademy.com and tell us how our academics can learn and grow from these experiences. Thanks again for your support. And now, back to class. I mean, that's other people's perceptions, you know, like, oh, you're short. Like, so what? You're tall. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm really short, you know. Like, I fly a lot. I got more leg room than everybody, you know. Like, when I was younger, it bothered me. And, you know, I got in a lot of fights and different shit trying to prove that, you know, I was tougher than the big guys. A couple of nose surgeries, you know, and stuff like that. But you know. <laughs> no, sir, you take your licks, man. I got good at getting my ass kicked, you know. But a lot of it was for no reason. Now, if I'm going to fight somebody, it's usually defending somebody else, or yeah, that's the only way it's happening. It's like got to be in defense of somebody because there is nothing you can say that's going to make me have to knuckle up because it's words at this point. It doesn't matter, you know. And yeah. like I said, unless you're hurting someone or you're marginalizing or you're being like, you know racist or something like that and you don't yeah, I'll racist all the time yeah i'd probably i i, I definitely um yeah. if that person did not heed my warnings up front <laughs> might get uh might get summer teeth summer here summer there <laughs> yeah. so, you know the, the fear of getting punched in the face has gone away for a lot of people and uh why is that because the internet and because people just tell on you and like go to jail like i don't know like my cousin was telling me recently, like, you know, they're expelling people for fistfights. You're never allowed to go back to school. You know, you could ask our buddy Chris. They're, you know, they're at any school I went to, whether it was in the suburbs or in the inner city or whatever, there's fights almost every day. Kid, you know, and it was like, handle your shit. And most of the time, like, if you actually get to fight it out, like, shit's going to get better. Um, but now, you know, like, nobody fights each other. And it's like that people either get shot or something worse happens, you know, violently or like people are, they go unchecked and they can just treat people like shit and disrespect people. And that's interesting. So you think we need that primal layer in there to be able to possibly, you know, stomp out early anger issues, things like that. Give us that primal release. If it's not like gone too far. Yeah. I mean, like I have a lot of really good friends that are Hawaiian and, uh, or from Hawaii. Um, and it's much different there. They don't have guns um for the most part and they fight if there's a problem they fight and guy goes down they break it up and that's it no one's getting kicked in the face no one's getting stomped out it's not ideal fighting people all the time you know i'm not encouraging you go you know punch your boss or something like that but you know you got a real problem with somebody you go you square up and you fight and one guy wins one guy loses most of the time in their culture it's a handshake and a hug when it's over with and like we settle that there you know and i, I think that there's something to be said for that people act a little better when there's that threat. And, you know, it's not always fair. There's humongous people and like little people, you know, but, you know, usually if a big guy's picking on a little guy, there's four or five other little guys that are going to teach that big guy that like, hey, that's not cool either. That's my favorite fight. That's my favorite fight. I I, I don't have fights. I'm not a fighter. I, I, I'm a, I just don't need it in my life. However, if it's that one, if it's bully, oh, I am, I am just... 
I'm ready. <laughs> I want a piece of that action. You know, I don't like, I don't think just have a disagreement at work or, no. or, you know, but if, if bullies are the people that are going unchecked and like, it used to be the big tough guy that was like the bully. And cause he could be, cause if he wasn't the big tough guy, he'd get his ass kicked and he wouldn't mm. be the bully anymore. Now anybody could be the bully. They're a jerk. And especially with social media, they never even have to face the person. So they're just letting people have it, you know, like, a. The high school I went to, they did a documentary about it. So many people committed suicide there a few, maybe Whoa. 10 years ago. And I mean, there were girls like taking selfies over a casket of one of the girls they bullied to death. It's like disgusting. It's men are high school in, uh, outside of Cleveland. Oh, you could look at it, but it was like, if you're bullied when you were a kid, like you went home, whatever. And then maybe you got it the next day. But now it's like cell phone, social media, like they fucking let you have it and they won't stop. And it's like, yeah, the children are up against, I mean, just humans in general, but children as well are up against a level of bullying that we've never, that we can't even comprehend. Yeah. Like we used to get my, like, you know, someone tries to take my starter jacket or, you know, literally my lunch. <laughs> starter jacket. I haven't heard somebody say that in so long, dude. <laughs> I remember those. They punch in the head and like someone take, try to take your shit, you know, and like that wasn't right either. But like, that was a kid that, was poor and like couldn't afford the jacket he wanted and he was tougher than me so he got my jacket you know he didn't try to like make me kill myself and like break me down and like relentlessly torment me to like till i cried like oh, he punched me in the head and took my coat and, like the next day one of my friends <laughs> took his coat. sounds like a business <laughs> transaction <laughs> yeah. you know it's like i didn't bring correct change hold still yeah. <laughs> but you're right there was there was a there was a a certain decorum to the mono imano settling of a dispute. There, yeah. there, there was. Um, however, I think, like you said, it's not the physical fights, though, that cause the pain. Because no. those heal. It's the ones that you're discussing. It's those underlying digs, stabs, you know, ones that make you question, you know, everything about yourself, where you're from, what you're... Basically, it's kind of like kicking you downstairs that you had worked to get up to in order to be with the peers that you felt you should be with. And every time they take those stabs, it makes it harder and harder to live and harder and harder to get up the stairs because you become more fatigued with that mental baggage. And I'd much rather take one punch to the teeth and just climb back up than, than to be, you know, just having somebody just hurdle those things at me. I've been like jumping barrels in Donkey Kong. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, somebody beats you up or something, that, that it, it's easy to, you know, that's the pain. My face hurts, my head hurts, my, you know, like, and like, you turn that into anger against the person, you know, more, more times than not that did it to you. Uh, but, and it heals and it goes away and that's over. And then, you know, but the other stuff you have to deal, you know, it's hard to shut off. And the ways that people shut that off are usually, you know, self-destructive types of behavior or, you know deflecting and then sometimes they end up being, you know, shittier to other people just because, you know, it's easy, it's easier to then, you know, like sitting there and being self-aware of what's happening with yourself. And like, I think that, you know, opening up like this is really helps and people get to see that there's other people out there when you're the only person, like you think there's something wrong with you. Like, why am I like this? Why am I, you know, why it's, it's all my fault, you know, and sometimes some of the actions are, you know, the individual's fault and like they could fix things and, and get out of their circumstances. But a lot of times it's just not, and they just happen to be different or feel like they're different or other people feel like they're different. And then that's a, that's a great way to describe it. Other people feel like they're different and yeah. then we accept what their reality is being thrust upon us. I like that. Yeah. You know, when you put somebody, you know, in, you know, you might be the only gay person in your town, but when you put it in the whole world, there's millions of people that are like you, you know, and in that little small pocket, you're like, Oh, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? And like, people don't even like they judge you and they, they don't, you know, they don't even want to listen or talk or, you know, anything. It's just like that person's different. We don't like them. They don't even know why they don't like them. It's like because everybody else doesn't, you know, a lot, and a lot of times. It's amazing how that works, right? That mob mentality for feelings and even for empathy. You can watch like the world will turn its back on someone if it's deemed, you know, the correct way to approach the situation or if somebody is is flip that switch everybody will do it or they'll hate in large groups at, at the a drop of a dime because yeah, jump on the bandwagon and end up getting it turned against you in a lot of a lot of cases like you know i've seen that a lot of times 
where it's like, oh, that's the person we're all picking on. All right, good shit. Let's go. This it could have been me. Kids do it. It's 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 funny. Like you'll see one kid key in, and then you'll you'll see like the extras that don't want to be the kid that's getting bullied. So they will fire up with them and run at Mach one because it's better to be on that side of the fist. Yeah. Than their eyes. Yeah. I mean, it definitely no one wants to be that person. So, you know, some people float under the radar. Some people just join the mob. Some people, you know, will, will defend that person. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's tough to go against the, you know, go against the grain. If anybody at your school or your job or wherever, they're all going in one way. It's hard to just stand up and fight back the other way because, you know, it's probably not going to work out great for you. You know, it's you're going to alienate the masses of people wherever you're at. And then, you know, depending on the situation, it can make your life a lot more difficult. But you think so at first, um, at first, at first, the loss of your core relationships and friendships that you had given value to. But once you start to affect change within yourself and you start to pursue a path that is much, much more in line with your character or your, you know, moral compass or your creativity, whatever it is, you're going to shed those relationships. And that's the only piece of advice I can give in those situations are accept them for when they were and then let them be. Um, don't, there's no need to mourn them. You're going to find that it's just not going to be who you are anymore. The relationship isn't even going to be painful to lose. It's just going to be like, it's like a scab, dude. It just yeah. falls off and you don't realize it fell off. Yeah. Fuck those people. You know, like if they're all treating somebody else like that, you're going to be on the other receiving end of that shit eventually. Or, you know, maybe not in the same way, but in a different way. If people are treating everybody else like shit or anybody, then that's what them to do that. And they're going to either treat you like that or they're going to get you into a type of situation mm -hmm. uh, that you don't want to be in. It's a good benchmark for me not to like somebody. If I see someone treat someone else like shit, it's an easy window for me never to be around them again. Yeah. Uh, it, it's that I like when people pick a particular item on me or someone to dislike because it is a very quick way for me to cut them off at the, the source. I had a gentleman tell me he got a tattoo under his eye. I was at like a outlet. I think I told this story once on the show. Um, he got a tattoo of a diamond underneath his eye. And um, I was talking to him and he's like, it's like, yeah, people are looking at me different today. And I uh, told him, I said, well, two things. One, they're probably not. I said, two, if somebody does look at that diamond and judge you, for who you are, that's a fucking filter. You put a filter on your face for assholes for the rest of your life. If the person does not want to engage with you because you have a fucking diamond under your eyeball, that's a great way to weed out shitty people quick. Yeah, I mean, it's people's reactions to other people tells me a lot about how they're going to treat me in, in different situations. And, you know, I've, I've gone on dates where the, the, the girls are, you know, really shitty to the server. And I'm like, you think like, I'm better than them. So you're treating me well, but at some moment you're not going to think I'm better. You know, it's like, you don't treat that person good. Like it doesn't matter. Like I serve the public. I create things and serve them to them. And I've worked, you know, talking about your friend. I went to college for hospitality management at UNLV. I've had every job like to think that I'm better or to think that somebody's better because, you know, it's, it's that type of thing. Like if you are rude to, you know, the customer service person or the waitress or the, you know, front desk person like i'm not fucking with you at all like sorry you know you should treat everybody the same um and it's just it's i don't want to be involved with that because if we get in business together then like you are who you work with and who you associate with and you know if we're out somewhere you're like you're putting me in danger because you're gonna treat someone poorly and we might have to fight them or you're gonna make a business decision you know based on what you know your perceptions of people and then you're gonna you know screw up my reputation it's like you're treating people like that at the smallest level and just being rude and shitty to somebody that's just trying to do their job and help you and you know so you could get through your day then you're going to do that to other people it's not it's it's never the first time you know like it's it's a pattern of behavior that's probably you know pretty prevalent in your life and i just yeah why, my, my wife has a harness for me in these situations because if I see someone abusing a server or as somebody in the customer service industry or anything like that, I have a tendency to pop off quick. I do um, all the time. <laughs> and it, it, she looked at me the other day. She's like, you have a podcast. Everybody has phones. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? She's like, dumbass, you're going to be on TikTok for screaming at this woman for picking on this girl. Fine. Like, you'll be a hero. Because, like, I mean... Ugh. 
I almost did it when I was getting my booster shot at Walgreens the other day. This guy's screaming at the pharmacist, and I'm like, hey, why are you yelling? Like, this person right here does not decide whether your medication got here on time or not, or, like, it's not going to be helpful. And, like, there's a whole line of people trying to get their booster shots, get tested, like, all this stuff, and it's like, we don't have this. You don't even have a proper prescription. Like like we were talking about earlier, they know that they're in the wrong. They, they didn't just show up and, like, you know, and even if they did, like, that person is a person. Like, you're screaming at them and getting all crazy. It's like, I mean, maybe they have, they're going through some stuff and they're trying to get their drugs and shit, and I get that there's probably some issues there, but it's like, you're yelling and saying stuff like, you know, if that guy would have just been able to, like, reach around the glass and crack that dude, like, maybe you would have, you know. It's, it's yeah. like, I don't, I don't condone fighting, but there was a while where I was kind of supporting the e-slap. I want somebody to invent something where if you piss me off, I can send you an e-slap where it just, there's some kind of device or like a shock or something. It needs yeah. to exist. No, I, I get what you're, I get what you're saying. And I'm not telling people they need to just go out. It's, 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 it's good and like to joke about it. And we don't need people punching each other in the face all no. the time, you know. But that's the joke. It's candor and humor, man. I make jokes about crap like that all the time. But what I'd like to get to is where we're going. Like we've discussed where we've been. I'm going to, I'm going to say thank you to a couple of people here. And first and foremost, my wife, um, forget me through season two. A lot of you guys, um, saw that there was no break. It went from one to two and I took it on solo and I can't say thank you enough to my wife and, and my friends around me for supporting me through that, uh, that change and the dynamic of the show. And, and that it's uncomfortable when you find yourself sitting in the chair, talking, having these conversations because there is no third party to fill the gap. There is no <laughs> extra chair. But, you know, it, it was the fact that I was, I didn't hear things like, are you sure? I didn't hear things like, well, what about this? Or any of those things. All I heard was, you can do it. This is you. Go for it. And I have to thank a couple of friends for the fact that they were on the receiving end of more texts from me with shit that I had created that I needed an opinion on. <laughs> My buddies, Dan and Andre, have been just hammered. So thanks, guys. Sent them so much shit during that change trying to create things. So I, I wanted really to say it. that. And uh, lastly, I, I want to thank um, Mirko Castagna for coming on the show. He actually came on to discuss smoking um, and uh, quitting. And the reason why I want to thank him is that uh, it gave me a chance to uh, get rid of some issues. My mother is dying of lung cancer and she's still fighting. Um, it's been a long battle, but I think that we have abandoned that type of situation as a lost cause or things like that. And um, I want to thank him for reminding people that still exists and that um, I can promise you every single day that I look at my mom, she wishes that she what does that tell you? That she's being handed something that she shouldn't be. Why is that even made? Why is it a product? You know, at that point, when you can't, when there are people that cannot physically give it up and it has no benefit to begin with, I don't know. I don't support it at all, at all. But I wanted to thank him for, for coming on and giving me opportunity to hear how he conquered it and having other people hear how they can get through it so that, you know, there's not loved ones watching loved ones commit suicide in front of them for long periods of time. That's painful to see. Um, and I don't wish that on anybody, but I do thank him for, for coming forward. So now that I've ended season two on happy, um, <laughs> um, let's talk about season three, Gary. Well, um, you know, I, uh, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. So I'll, I'll say that, you know, I've, I've wanted to do some sort of podcast for a long time and just kind of waiting. And uh, I'm, I'm into a lot of things, you know, I'm fighting and music and all these different things. And I've always, you know, wanted to do something along those lines, but not the same. And, um, but I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't know what I, I honestly, I just didn't know. And uh, after meeting you and listening to you and, and all the stuff that you've done, I, uh, it's, it, it wasn't exactly what I envisioned but it's better. You know, it's, it's people from all different walks of life. And, um, it's just, we all have this shit, man. And like, it's good to get it out and it's good to get it out with humor and, and levity. And, and maybe it's not like that every time. Some people don't respond, you know, well to that, but I think that, you know, we, we could have fun and help people. And I don't know, like what's better than that. I, I don't have tons of free time. And what I do, like, this is the kind of way, you know, this is kind of what I would like to spend and do and creating stuff, meeting new people, interesting people, 
um, helping people if we can. And, you know, it's cliche, but if we just help one person, you know, feel like better about their day or even it's just entertainment while they're sitting at their desk or, you know, it's, it's what we do, you know, it's gets them through their day and maybe they'll hear that one little thing like, Oh shit. Yeah. Fuck. You know, I feel the same way as that guy did. You know, I might be seven feet tall and I'm listening to something about this girl that's four, eight that relates to me and shit, you know? And I think that these, you know, there wasn't an outlet for this stuff before, you know, I, the biggest thing that people comment on from my episode was when I was talking about the eighties and I was just like the fifties. Um, it's true though. We didn't have information. Like we had three channels, yep. the local newspaper, maybe a magazine. Nobody watched the news when you were a kid. You didn't have shit. You didn't hear about anything. You didn't even know what other places looked like unless it was on a movie. You left you know? when the news were on. You got right. mad when the news was on. Yeah, yeah. Your show was, I mean, your show was over and like your mom's screaming at you go to bed. You know, now you get to see all different, you know, as, as bad as there is on the internet and there's a lot of negatives that are going on. There's, it's, it's connecting good people together and it's not everybody just fighting over politics or bullshit. There's people that are, you know, becoming friends that never even met each other in different sides of the world, relating, sharing music and art and, um, experiences. And it's making these little small towns that, you know, in places, even big cities, you could feel alone. You live in a small cramped apartment and you only live in one block. You don't really go anywhere. And especially with COVID and everything, it's it shoved people even, you know, more into their holes if they were already in one. I think if we could uh, have some fun, crack some jokes, talk to some cool people and, and get through some shit together. And, you know, I, I don't see anything. I, I agree with you 110%. And so with that said, now I'm sure everybody understands that uh, Gary is going to be joining the show. Um, he's going to be coming on different episodes and we're going to be restructuring. Um, now that we're classifying everything as seasons, um, or we could even call them years, you know, like school, whatever. Um, but we're going to take a break for the next probably three months. We're, we're nailing down some times. But we are going to be creating some new badass things for the show. Um, and I want to thank you, Gary, because Gary's been uh, you know, giving me advice in the background and we've been discussing things. He's got such a, you know, an amazing background in, in the uh, entertainment industry and creating this kind of thing. Um, so I appreciate you. And for everybody uh, out there, um, one, of the, one of the things that uh, stuck out to me about Gary um, since I've been talking to him was not just the fact that you, you know, you come from humble beginnings, but you, and you march to the beat of a different drum and things like that. There was one particular incident that, uh, not incident, but situation where you had described, uh, where you had, uh, been approached with a budget of some sort for a marketing deal. And you said something to me that really stuck with, me, and that was that rather than utilizing that money to quote unquote advertise, your suggestion was to give it away. And that, to me, spoke volumes about you as a human being in that we put so many middlemen between giving back and just simply handing back what, you know, it just was amazing to see somebody have that kind of view on business. It really struck a chord with me and I appreciate that. And I'm honored to, for everything that you've said, um, I if you'd have told me a year ago that, you know, I'd be sitting down with the executive producer of, you know, several TV shows talking about how you're coming on the show, I would never even believe it. I mean, you're nuts. It's not happening. What's this? You know, but I, I appreciate you. And I know that um, you're going to bring some some amazing things to the table. Um, so with that said, some of the things that, uh, that we were talking about was uh, Gary... Uh, creates music. Um, and I know I've talked about myself, I create music on the show. So we're going to uh, start adding subjects, um, additional types of uh, episodes where we're going to bring in, you know, a musician, you know, and, and talk about their career and background, and we'll share some music and things like that. We're going to bring in, um, you know, we're going to have a librarian working with the staff now. So um, she came from Big Book Energy. Yes, the Tragedy Academy has a librarian, like a legit librarian. We are official. So we're going to do, you know, we're going to talk about some books and things like that. And um, Jennifer's going to get involved. Um, but one of the things that, uh, that I want to bring up is the, the fact that you had wanted to give back, you know, and you had uh, 
suggested it. Well, one of the things that we're going to do this season is we want to couple charities with each episode. So whatever the episode is and whatever, you know, we're supporting in that particular episode, we're going to try to find a charity to sponsor that episode. And then any of the money, you know, we can get people to come in and donate through our website. We'll have specific donation areas or areas that you can link to those particular charities or whatever they are um, in that manner. Because honestly, that's, that's what's most important. It really is. And um, I appreciate you for that and that idea. A um, couple last items i mean try to think here charity sponsors oh we have a new website i have i i don't have time to talk about anything when we're on these shows this is like a weird episode where i'm not discussing somebody else's you know trials and tribulations so if i sound like i'm stumbling through shit please laugh at me and send emails um <laughs> i never talk about myself i'm always telling Dude, someone else's story i don't even know where to start half the time Dude, we have merch. We have merch. I, I, the website is up. Please go visit it, thetragedyacademy.com. Um, we've got special guest areas. All the episodes are listed out, all of the videos. There's trailers with music for each and every individual episode as you go through. Um, you get to see clips on our videos tab. Um, we also have guest areas associated with the episode. So if somebody comes on for multiple episodes, you can go and view their bio, their profile, connect to different episodes and, and get to hear some of the cool stuff about them. So we've got that added in. Um, there's a voicemail button. So if you do visit us on your phone, you can leave us a voicemail. Um, I'm sure I'm going to regret saying that with some of the friends that I have out there. There's going to be some colorful things that are left on that voicemail, but that is available on the site. And then the merch is t-shirts. We've got uh, stickers. I'm trying to think what else we've got. Hoodies. Um, nothing major. Just really good quality stuff. And uh, would love to have you support the show. Um, we're poor as of yet. So any money helps out. <laughs> uh, Gary, do you want to... Uh, do you want to give us any closing words or uh, might as well thank you for, uh, you know, it, you said, you know, that I've helped you and all these things, but you know, you've opened my eyes to a whole new world uh, as well. And just getting an outside perspective on the things that I do, uh, you know, in, in reality television, it, it has a very negative connotation these days, but at the end of the day, like it was meant to highlight normal people or extraordinary people that weren't actors or athletes, which is all we ever saw on TV. And, you know, some of it's just garbage. And, you know, I've worked on a few of those shows and, you know, it's not great, but it's entertainment. But a lot of it is just telling stories. And, you know, the greatest writers in the world will tell you that the best shit is true, is already happened. It's real life. Um, most creative people in the world can't come up with what people have actually gone through and what they've been through. And that's why most good stories, even fiction are, are based on reality. So, um, you know, not only just telling stories of struggle and things like that, I think there's a lot, a lot of fun stories and, and, you know, entertainment value here too. And people have been through some crazy shit and, and had some wild experiences and like well, they may never get an opportunity to talk about them, you know, on a, a larger scale. And I'd like to, you know, grow this as much as I could help you, you know, and, give the opportunity for more people to come on and you know people are starting their own podcasts their own shows as offshoots of this and like they're being inspired by you i appreciate them. that i didn't even didn't even think about that there are I, I think there's probably like five or six in the last couple of months that have come up and i, I i'm grateful and it makes me it, it I don't even know how to think about it when people, you know, they, they're like, Hey dude, I'm starting this because of what you did. And, and that kind of thing. I mean, honestly, that is the purpose is to try to spread that, but it's, it's really cool to see it actually happening. That's super yeah. cool. I have friends that wanted to start podcasts and didn't really know how, and I didn't know how. And after going on years and becoming friends with you, like I gave them the advice that you gave me, like through me, like there's, they're having success and finally pulled the trigger on some shit that they wanted to do. But they didn't have the know-how and sometimes you just need a little the little nudge you know and i'm that's what i do you know i'm not going to try forever but if somebody has something and i think it's a good idea and they just need it i'll i'll, I'll keep pushing my friends to like just get some shit I still done push you. all aliens welcome i bring it up all the time periodically yeah. like, hey, what's going on with that it's you gotta, a, you gotta do something. That's one of those things. That I made a bunch of excuses and uh i didn't have the right artist i'd had the right artist but he was busy and all the time and you know, just couldn't get it done. And, you know, so I started just, you know, learning these programs myself and starting to, you know, I could draw a little bit, but not to that level and not with the guys who were going to, you know, 
do, but that the thing will die on my computer for another 10 years if I don't just start making it. So I started drawing it and just doing it myself. And how fun you know, is that creative process now? It's a, it's some of it's frustrating as shit because it's like <laughs> the technology and, uh, you know, I'm not the best at just drawing, but you can make up with that with some technical knowledge. Um, but man, it's, I mean, it's close and it's just not working and you want to, sm- you know, it's like, I could not draw to save my soul. And I blame the pencil. I blame the pencil squarely for my inability to draw because for some reason, you know, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. I used to get in trouble in school because when I wrote with a pencil, because it gave me like chills up and down my arms, that I would make like a sound when I was writing so I wouldn't hear it. I don't even, I don't remember the last time I even saw a pencil. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did just I mean, date myself, didn't I? Good old yeah. number two pencil. Yeah, that, that screwed me up. Um, kids probably will never see those at some point. At some point, a pencil is going to be a thing in a museum. Remember they used to tell you you had to be like, has to be a number two to work on the Scantron. And if you didn't use that. And then, of course, there were kids that, you know, made up like all these like urban legends that if you did all of this or all C, it would, you know, it would would give you this or there was, dude, the urban urban legend is dead. That's something we got to do an episode about. It's memes now. Yeah, like, the urban legend is dead, though. You can't hide anything. You can't be like, oh, there's yeah, so like, oh, that's not true. Look, see, it's just right here. You <laughs> fucker. You're yeah. like, you need to have, like, one day where you lock each other in a room and there's no Google and everybody tells stories and you got to pick which ones are real and which ones aren't without having <laughs> the ability to fuck it up. Oh, there's your reality show for you. That's a show right there. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pick the one. I got, right. you know, I got friends that are like that, that we know they're really smart. And like, since we know they're smart now, like I, they, they get away with some shit. And I'm like, mm, are you sure about that? Well, no, totally. Like, yeah, like you're really convinced. Uh, it doesn't yeah. go as, glasses don't get you as far in life now. <laughs> Used to be if you had glasses, you could say some shit with authority and people wouldn't even fucking question it. Yeah, glasses are a British accent. You're like, oh, that's what, <laughs> dumb people in England? Like... <laughs> Yeah. You know, oh my god, dude, glasses are a British accent on your face. <laughs> you assume that they're smarter. Like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Love that, dude. We got to get out of here on that. Hey, yeah. thanks so much, everybody. I'm super excited. I appreciate each and every one of you. I hear the messages. I see them. Keep sending stuff. We're going to be putting stuff out during the uh, season break. Um, some older clips, some newer clips, some live stuff, you know, we're going to just kind of mix it up and, uh, we'll tease you some of these amazing guests that we have coming up. You're going to be shocked. It's going to be fun. Um, Gary, got anything? We good? Nah, all good. All right. Remember everybody, be cool and keep learning. Hey academics. Thanks again for attending another class at the Tragedy Academy. You can show us some love by subscribing, downloading, and rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or ask Amazon Alexa to play the Tragedy Academy podcast. You can find links to all major podcast platforms and past episodes at thetragedyacademy.com. You can find us on all the majors of social media on Instagram at the Tragedy Academy 2019, on TikTok at the Tragedy Academy, and on Twitter at Tragedy underscore Academy, where we'll post our clips of upcoming shows, updated info, and thoughts. If you'd like to be a guest, send an email to show at thetragedyacademy.com. Keep an eye out on Instagram for Tragedy Academy giveaways. Thanks again for coming to class, and remember, be cool, keep learning. What's up, academics? This is Jay. I'm here to talk to you about Into the AM. This is a clothing and apparel company that I came across last year that has the absolute coolest designs. And the reason why I was attracted to it is because I grew up without a lot of money, like many others, and had to shop on that outlet rack with the irregular items. Things like the fly was over four inches to the left, or the right sleeve would be twice the size of the left. It looked like I was growing horizontally. 
Like, it's okay, honey. You'll grow into your left arm. So you really don't get a chance to express yourself the way that you want to. You go into life, you start putting on suits, you start putting on uniforms, and you realize you'd never had a chance to truly express yourself. Enter into the AM, a team of artists and creators who share a common vision. They see clothing as a canvas to express what drives you. Since 2012, they've developed premium apparel that elevates self-expression and provides unparalleled comfort for wherever your passions take you. Into the AM's passion for change is the driving force behind their brand. They remain committed to creating products that inspire and promote self-expression by partnering with like-minded organizations focused on giving back to communities in need. Last year, they donated 1% of all revenue from their Graphic Tees collection to the Art of Elysium charity. The Art of Elysium is an artist organization built on the idea that through service, art becomes a catalyst for social change. For over 24 years, the Art of Elysium has paired volunteer artists with communities to support individuals in the midst of difficult emotional life changes. They currently offer 110 community programs per month, serving over 30,000 individuals per year. The only permanent thing in life is change. Supporting charities dedicated to helping those going through these changes, trials, and tribulations require a never-ending commitment. The onus is on us as creators to affect change through our true, authentic talents, and Into the AM is the model of how this is done. Their clothes are handcrafted with care. They have a team of skilled artisans that craft each garment with the highest quality fabrics and eco-friendly inks. Not to mention, these things don't shrink. They don't fade and they fit as if they were designed supernaturally. I'm stopped every time I wear one of the graphic tees to find out where I got it. The colors attract attention from miles and the art is nothing short of spectacular with designs for everyone. One of my personal favorites, Twilight Maiden. Go take a look. Into the AM does all of this while putting their money where their mouth is. 30-day money-back guarantee, lightning-fast shipping, and hassle-free returns. The deals are endless. Graphic tee bundles, discount promo codes, Get over there, check it out. I'm highlighting the tees, but I'd be remiss to not mention that if you want to walk around in the absolute most comfortable shorts, joggers, and basic tees, hit up into the end. I even wear the basics to the gym. Head on over to the tragedyacademy.com, go to our sponsors tab, and follow the affiliate link to the Into the AM store. Help support Into the AM and the Tragedy Academy by purchasing the absolute best apparel and the best designs ever. And remember, academics, be cool and keep learning.